This is the Power of Promise podcast, episode number 124, with Dr. Brad Miller. Today, a conversation with Joan Turley, the author of Sacred Work in Secular Places. Hey, this is Frankie Finn from sacredplantretreats.com, where we help people to find their life purpose. And I just finished an amazing podcast with Dr. Brad Miller from Pathway to Promise, and it was such a deep meaningful, useful conversation that I think anybody should listen to his show because you're just going to get so much valuable insight into how to live a more purposeful life. You're on the Pathway to Promise with Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes every person has a God-given promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose, and that you must have a plan and a guide to get there. The Pathway to Promise podcast not only is your guide through the wilderness of depression and disappointment that stand between you and your promised life, but also brings you insights and direction from inspiring, successful thought leaders who have transformed their lives. Welcome to the Pathway to Promise. Now, here's Brad. Are you unhappy at your job? Many people are, of course. In fact, Some figures say as high as 80% of employees hate their jobs. That's not good. What can we do about that? Joan Turley is the author of Sacred Work in Secular Places, and she gets this feeling, and she spent years hating her work. She found herself in a work in the salon world, in the salon business, where she found herself being helpful to people that she worked with. And she found a way of discovering a joy in the workplace where she fell in love with the people that she rubbed shoulders with and she learned to impact lives. She has written this book, Sacred Work in Secular Places, to help you, especially if you're having trouble in your own workplace setting. She is now does consulting and leadership and has works with the John Maxwell Leadership and Relationship Coach. She's a speaker and a leader and a trainer. And she's an advocate for reversing job satisfaction within companies. She's our guest today on the Power of Promise podcast. The Power of Promise podcast exists to help you overcome adversity, such as job dissatisfaction, and achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. My name is Reverend Dr. Brad Miller, here to be helpful to you. Our website is pathwaypromise.com. You can also find us at facebook.com slash pathwaypromise. And you can go to our website and find some helpful back episodes of the podcast and some resources for you there. Right now, let's talk about the workplace. Sacred work in secular places. Our guest today, author Joan Turley. Joan, welcome to the Power of Promise podcast. Oh, I'm just thrilled to be here. Thrilled to be here. So awesome to have you with us today, Joan, and you have quite an an incredible background as a writer and as working in the spa industry and in ministry, and uh, you've had various things happen in your life, but I got a feeling that there was a time in your life when you ran into some, um, some situations where either you were dissatisfied or others were dissatisfied in the workplace, which led you to uh, do something about it. So tell us a little about the situation you found yourself in that was uh, kind of the impetus for writing this book. So I found myself in the workplace. I thought I would be in ministry all my life. I had given my life to the Lord as a young child and um, felt like I would always be in ministry. 
And that ministry came crashing down that we had been a part of my husband and I for almost 13 years. So here I was with two children and a husband. Um, and all we had ever known was ministry. I never planned on being the worker bee. And here I am working dark 30 to dark 30 and felt so insignificant. Like everybody else that was in ministry was significant, but I was not significant. I was just chopped liver, I guess, to God. That is how I felt. And I stumbled on a throw quote one day that said, most men lead quiet lives of desperation and go to the grave with the song still in them. And I knew that was me. Mm. I hit, I went into the deepest, darkest spiral. Like I'm going to go to the grave with the song still in me. I'm just a worker bee. There's, there was, I felt like it was meaningless that I had lost my purpose and lost meaning. And so then to get into the workplace, underscored that everywhere I looked, it was like somebody was, I wasn't significant. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't polished enough. I didn't have enough education. I didn't have the right circles. I felt like I could never climb out of that pit. Did you find other, did you find other people were kind of in a similar place as you as well? Well, not initially because what ended up happening as I was working in an academic setting and I didn't have my college degree at that point. So for me, it was just, it was like, you're just, second best, second string. And there was no way I was going to get to be first string because I couldn't compete on their level. This is how I felt. And they wouldn't, they, in, a, in an academic setting, when everybody's got master's degrees and doctor's degrees, it was kind of like, oh, you're just, you don't really know much. <laughs> you know? And they kind of let you know that, like, mm, your opinion's not really needed. You know, go ahead, go get those copies, go answer that phone. So I just, it was just driving this insignificant. And um, when, you, when you've been dismissed like that, it tends to uh, make you feel, you know, like you are insignificant and low. And then you got to find a way to, to respond to that or not. Yes. Well, what ultimately happened is it kind of drove me to my knees in prayer because I did know that God loved me. And inherently, I knew he really hadn't forgot about me, but it felt like that. It felt like that. So I knew I needed answers. And it's... um stumbled on a, a, a great quote by G.K. Chesterton that talked about the divine discontent. And I began to understand that he had me in a place where he was stirring things up. He was the instigator of that holy discontent. He was stirring it up as if to say to me, because I don't want you to stop here. I do have more for you, but you're not going to know it unless you spend time with me. Hmm. So it was, it was a call to begin to spend time with God where I had been in full-time ministry, but I'll be honest, Brad, I had never learned how to have a quiet time, never learned how to develop a prayer life because I mean, I couldn't pray for an hour. I could pray maybe 15 minutes. So I wasn't going to be one of those spiritual giants either. So I was putting it on all fronts, you know? Well, some people have the pressure of the people involved with professional ministry or, um, uh, you know, spiritual giants and they struggle just as much as anyone else does and get wrapped up in all the busy work of ministry and, and you sound like you found yourself caught up in some of that and had to, you know, had to take a step back and relook at your life. Yes. Again. Yes. So when, when uh, I was reading a book by Oz Guinness called The Call and got a hold of a, a, another book called Let Prayer Change Your Life by Becky Tarabasi and felt like God said, you know what, Jim, enough. I thought all these things I was learning about prayer was for my family. And it was like, God said, Mm-mm, I'm calling you. I need you to meet me in the morning. And I was like, God, you know who you're talking to? I'm like, I don't know how to have a prayer life. I don't know how to spend time with you, really. 
and it just show up. So I showed up. It was in 1999 and everything changed from that point. Everything. Um, it was like within, within six months of just being consistent to show up and meet with God. He changed my job. You know, the first, the first thing I had wrote on my very first day of God was someday I'd like to write and I'd like to speak. Now, why I thought I could do that. I mean, hadn't done it either. In six months, I am working for a huge communication firm in Houston. And all of a sudden I am, the boss goes, oh my gosh, Joan, she thought you hired me for a secretary. She goes, you can write. And all of a sudden I am writing internal campaigns for fortune 500 companies. And I'm like, how did that just happen? Yeah. Just a few months earlier, you were not any, anywhere close to that, were you? No, not, not it. So from there, my next three jobs were all direct reports to presidents of companies with no one in between me and the president. I'm like, you don't get that. You know what I mean? They were just like a series of things that I could have never created that sure. were all preparing me for this time in the salon and spa world where I really found my real calling. Well, that's interesting. Let's tell me a little bit about the salon and spa world and how you found yourself there and how this seems to be the place where you really focused in on some particular situations and how you had a real transformation yourself. So tell me a bit of how you landed there and what was the real, some of the real pain points you found in that world. Well, I, I was in a situation where I, I was working at the time for a, a Christian nonprofit and I knew my season had come to an end and it wasn't, I, I loved I still love the CEO of this Christian nonprofit, but I could tell it was time to change. And um, I didn't know what I was going to do. And she was gracious enough. She said, you know, we have a major donor that it needs help right now in the salon world. And you love people. I just want to get you to a safe place, Joan. And she did. She got me to this beautiful place. But I remember I went kicking and screaming because I didn't want to work on Saturdays. You know, uh, I wasn't a young chicken. You know, I was in my mid to late forties and I'm like, I have to give up my Saturdays. And my husband said to me, Oh, go Joan. It just might be the best thing ever. I'll be okay. So I go kicking and screaming and I walked into this store. I remember I've just left a Christian nonprofit and I walk into this pretentious high end, uh, where day spawns long, where women thought nothing of spending 500, 600, a thousand dollars a day. It, it was very high end. Okay. I walk in and I look around and there are gays and straights and blue haired biddies and pink haired punks and everything in between. And I'm like, oh. I said it under my breath out loud. I went, Oh my God, you have sent me to Babylon. This, <laughs> this is not going to work. And I, and I literally said, God, these people are not like me. And he, I said, look at me, Lily White, Southern Baptist, pretty conservative. Look at them. And then I hear God say, you're right. They're not like you. He said, they're like me. These people, <laughs> awesome. awesome. These people are made in my image, Joan. He said, all I need you to do is love them. Yeah. Awesome. Love them. And, and so it, I didn't know how that was going to look. But I knew that I had a clear directive. I have sent you here to love these people. Now, I didn't know anything. I had never seen a cash flow, profit, loss statement. I didn't even go in as the director of operations. I just went in kind of like undercover to do some 
she said she knew I was a Christian because she was one of our major donors. And she said, well, just go in and love my people and, and serve them well. I didn't know what it looked like. Well, I'm just telling you, Dr. Miller, within um, six months, the existing spa director quits and she says, tag, you're it. And I went, tag, I'm in it. I said, oh, 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 I've only ever been an Aaron. Never a Moses. I, I, I can't go. You go find your Moses. She said, you're Moses. <laughs> she you were it. You were it. So what, so you found some different kind of folks there and you found that you were informed, you, you got this uh, teaching and this leading that these are all children of God, where your initial feeling may have been, you know, the Babylon and all kinds of the, you know, icky feelings you may have had. So you had some personal transformation yourself in terms of how to see these folks as all children of God. And yet you found that they had their issues and their struggles and their problems as well. And, and you were able to discern some of that and speak to some of that. So tell us what about some of your experiences there among the folk where you, folk where you found some job dissatisfaction and you were able to kind of find a pathway to do something about that. Well, I, I will tell you, it, it is where the title of the book came from. So, I had known for years that someday I wanted to write a book, but I didn't know what it was going to be about. But it was there in my heart. I knew I was going to do this, but I could never put my finger on it. So one day, a, a, one of my stylists had asked if, that, that I would join them for lunch. And I, and I felt this drawing in my heart to go ahead and say yes. So I went to lunch with the stylist who opened up and shared with me just the hardest places of his life. And I wept with him and, and Brad, had I not known depression early on in life and had struggled uh, 20 years prior with deep depression. Well, I'll be honest. It was a little a nervous breakdown in the late eighties okay. um, from, from a crushing weight of legalism, just in. And um, had I never been through that dark place and come out on the other side, I could have not understood his depression. And so I could relate to that. Um, and I just, I just listened, listened and, and encouraged and wept and walked with him and decided I was going to love that boy no matter what. And a few days later, he was by my desk and he began to cry and he looked at me and through those tears, he said, am I going to make it? And I remember this, um, this, feeling of deep compassion and a protectiveness, like a mother's love just came gushing out. And I looked at him, I patted him on the knee and I said, um, you're going to make it. God is not going to let you go. You're going to make it. I am praying for you. I have other people praying for you. I'm walking this road with you. And as he stood up and walked away, like a new pep in his step, um, a sense of, I can do this. Um, as he was leaving in the middle of that busy salon and spa, it was a Holy Spirit moment. I, I heard it as clear as I've ever heard anything. I heard the Lord go, and that is sacred work in a secular place. And Brad, that's where the light came on for me. It went, what I'm doing is sacred in a secular place. These are precious people that you love. So that's, that, that's where I started. I, I started to see them through different eyes and I started awesome. to recognize if I could know them. Yes. And so you had the transformation yourself and you're able to speak to him, but let's talk for a minute a bit about what you were able to do for this particular person or maybe some others. So what are some actions? What are, 
you know, you, you said you were praying for him and others were praying for him, for instance, and that he was going to make it. What do you think are some of the ways that people can make it who find themselves in these positions of being depressed at work or you're really, you're really in a bad spot? What are some actions that people can do or can help others to do? Well, the first action step he did was he, he got honest. He decided to open up, find okay. somebody that he felt like he could confide in. As that, and that opened up a pathway for him and for me. And ultimately what I began to see is I, I was a person who never really loved numbers. But now that I'm the director of operations, I am responsible for the numbers. But what I began to connect the dots was if I can understand their numbers, I can help them tell a better story with their life. So the dots, I loved story and I realized I could coach them from a completely different point. So I started. Okay. I want to back up with you by saying that you had to understand the numbers in order to understand the people. Are we talking about, you know, financial bottom line numbers? Are we talking about numbers of clients? What are we talking about here? Well, they will, that will ultimately affect the number of clients, but it was this revelation that if, um, as the director of operations and now I'm responsible for the financial outcome of the company, I'm part of the growth strategy. I'd never been a numbers person, but I started to realize if I could understand what their numbers look like, like what their average service ticket was, what their retail to client ratio was. If I started to understand these things that make the world go round in the salon and spa world, I could help them. I could help them because, but it started with this. This was the action step, Brad. I knew I had to connect it personally to them. If you could love someone and help someone personally, then they can grow professionally. It's just my viewpoint. Sometimes mm-hmm. we get stuck professionally because we've got dreams in our heart that we can't quite align. And when you can show someone, you're not compartmentalized. Just talk to me. Talk yeah. to me about your dreams. You had the personal uh, passion and compassion here, but you also had the the professional commitment and the competence to give yourself some credibility on both personal and on the professional level. And I think that's an important piece that you're touching well, here. Well, and what, was, what, what I would say to people who are afraid to step out, if you are stepping out to a yes to God, he's going to send you the help. I knew nothing, but he, uh, I was the most green salon and spa director probably anybody has ever hired. But there were great people in the industry that liked me. They took me under their wing, and they started to teach me what mattered in this industry. He sent me teachers. Mm-hmm. He sent me people to go, okay, like the first girl she came in, she goes, Okay, I'm going to walk with you. I can see, see you need help. She goes, Joan, we do everything in the quarter. And I go, on a quarter? What's a quarter? I didn't even know what a quarter was. Okay. You know? And so she began to teach me and teach me about the numbers and what that meant. I am saying to the people out there, if, if, you're, if you're in the workplace and you're a believer and you're struggling and you're depressed, first of all, start looking around because there are people that have been divinely placed in your life that you're going to get to help. It's going to always be about not just income, but about impact and influence. When we connect those three eyes, it's not just about income, but it's about impact and influence. We start to look for, well, God, who would you have me impact? How can I impact them? Who would you have me influence? How do I do this? He started sending me teachers. Yeah. And And if I might say so, maybe this is just my thinking. You kind of have to put those in the right order as well. In my opinion, this is observing with you here, Joan, that the, that the influence would come first, that tells the relationship, then the yes. impact by that, and then the income Absolutely. Is result of Absolutely. result of that. But they all are important here in terms of uh, having yes. the uh, transformate transformative uh, part here it, to help people find the joy in the workplace, which is what yes. you're after here. 
and, and it, find, find the, what? as you say, you find the secret in this place. Uh, see, That's so awesome. here's what I ultimately discovered. If I love then I had earned the right to have a little come to Jesus meeting. You know what I'm saying? It'd be like, they trusted me now. I've loved them. I've learned things. So I started looking, what do they like? What, what, what drives them? I, I knew t- two of my top stars. They loved, um, they were always on their feet, but they loved dried nuts. So I started going, I'd pick up little packages here and there. And I'd say, I've got it in the drawer for you. When you get, and you need a break, come on by. I've got your, I've got this special. <laughs> for you. I just so, started looking for ways to connect. Yeah. Those small things make such a huge difference, don't they? Yeah. Huge difference. It said, I see you. I yeah. see you and you matter. And oh, so great. when that happens, they were okay with having numbers meetings. They were okay with, um, with, um, letting me talk about things that might've been uncomfortable because it was a safe space now. So one of the action steps you ask for, I don't know where I got this idea, but I'm going to tell you the first thing I did, my, my, my desk used to be behind closed doors and we were in a really, uh, I went there because this owner had experienced what we call in the salon industry, a walkout first walkout in 18 years to the tune of millions. And so, but I'm stuck behind this, this, closed door. So I said to her, I said, you're going to have to trust me, but I want to move my desk out into the main area. I need my people to see me and I need to see them. So I did. I moved it out. And then I put an empty chair next to my desk. I don't know where I got the idea, but I put an empty chair and people would stop by and they go, what's that for? And I go, it's for you. Go grab a cup of coffee (laughs) and sit down and talk to me. So they knew that the chair besides Joan was for them. And it was my reminder that people were more important than my yeah. people. So you have to really be intentional about loving people and you got to be genuine about it. Don't you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So and, if they, if they, if your folks sense it was contrived at all or any way, some sort of a corporate thing, you know, that's not going to work. It has to be genuine. So part of the changing in the corporate culture is to be on corporate like, you know, yes. to be, uh, to be personal and that type of thing and to, uh, to develop those loving relationships. And, but it, I, I, I know that you are a woman of faith, as you mentioned that, but tell me a little bit about how, where, where you got the strength to do this kind of type of thing. I'm talking about any personal power, any personal spiritual power that you drew upon in order to uh, help implement these processes for the small company uh, just tell me about your uh, your personal faith walk and how this empowers you to do this type of thing. Well, I have a huge commitment that uh, our belief that um, to walk with him, we have to spend time with him. So that meant uh, I developed this habit many, many years before I walked into the salon world of, of giving God um, a- an hour in my day, you know, an hour a day of just learning to sit with God um and a journal, a Bible, a cup of coffee, and, and develop a listening heart. And it, it never, it never, ever amazed me that whatever I was reading that day, if it wasn't for me, it was for somebody else. And it would play. So this discipline of, and staying connected in, in a biblical community, where I could say to my Bible study class, I got, I got somebody I need y'all to pray for. So it brought my community into my world. I brought them into my world so that, they could support me as well because I had truly at this point began to see I was on mission with God. 
And so to recognize I was on mission and that, um, and it was, it was incredible. You know, when, when, when I first started doing this, I was in college for the first time in my life, going to the college of biblical studies. I was teaching a Sunday school class. I had a mother with Alzheimer's and an elderly father, and I had never led a company, never hired, never fired, never seen a cash flow. So I was literally in overwhelm. And I remember walking in one day down the sidewalk and I stopped to catch my breath. It's early in the morning and I'm tired before the day even begins. And I was like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? It's just too much. And again, having a personal relationship with God and looking for him to lead me, that's what makes the difference. I literally in that moment heard God say, you know, you've only got today. You might not even be here tomorrow. How about you not worry about tomorrow? <laughs> How about you just worry about today? So when sounds, you- a little, sounds a little, little bit biblical there, Joan. Yes. A little bit. Well, can I just tell you, I'd never practiced that until yeah. that day. Yeah. I took a deep breath as I walked through those doors and I went, I got to only have today. So I'm going li- to love well. I'm going to live well. It, it, if all I have is today, I just need to worry about what's on my plate today. And that is how I got through that season of learning how to lead, how to develop leadership in my life, how to understand the, the financials, how to know how to help my people. I did it one day at a time. And it sounds like there's also part of the process here, Joan, if you'll allow me to kind of just reflect with you a little bit here, where these various circles in your life, you know, began to come together and, and touch one another, your personal prayer life, your personal a devotional life, your journaling and your Bible time and so on came together with your church community and the folks you had there and your family and so on. And, and then in your workplace, all those places began to touch and be, have intersecting points. And those intersecting points where it became the places where there was some real uh, cool stuff, some real, real magical stuff happening. And, and that's where, transformation i believe can take place especially when you got some good stuff happening there and so just yeah god for that so tell me a little bit more now about you've mentioned about how you've got these you've chosen to love people and then they're loving you and you're building trust you've got some trust and you've got some love built up in your church circles and in your you're developing a personal trust with god in your personal life and let's just talk practical, pragmatic matters for a minute, but how do you make this all work? You know, you mentioned that you were kind of stretched pretty thin in your life and you're dealing with some people who are stressed. I can tell people who are depressed, they're, they're stressed. But what are some of the habits or disciplines or how did you work your life? How'd you make it work? Cause you mentioned how you transitioned from ministry and all kinds of other things. How did you make your life work during this time? And how can that be teaching to someone else? Well, you know, I didn't realize what I was doing, but in a sense, I would look at the each day and maybe each week and realize it was really about stewarding time. Now, I wasn't, I didn't know that's what I was doing, but I had to tell myself, just sit down. I hadn't had any leadership classes at this point, but it was like, just sit down and look at your week, what has to be done. And then you're just going to do it. I, I literally broke it down into chunks. Like what had to happen on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then once I kind of had an overview, I just took a deep breath and said, now I'm going to live this one day at a time. Now I will tell you one of the greatest things that happened was um, I had a moment where I had hired someone and there's a chapter in my book called, Oh snap, I hired Judas. And so I was like, this person ended up 
being really painful hire for me. Um, and so I didn't even like this person. It brought out the worst in me. And if I was really honest, I hated this person. And so I happened to be taking a counseling class that semester. And I walked into class that night and I am sure they can all remember it because I kind of vomited on the class, a verbal vomit. They were like, <laughs> they were like, you know. It, it, so if I was talking to some of the people, they would remember you from that night. They huh? would remember because, uh, you know, okay. they were also, it was, you know, how we're supposed to listen to love, everybody. And I hadn't had enough of it. And I finally just raised my hand. I said, look, I know this is a Christian college and this is a Christian class, but I have hired Judas. He wants to crucify me. And I ain't Jesus, and I'm not ready to get on a cross and be crucified for him. <laughs> and you could have heard a pin drop. <laughs> <laughs> you got real, didn't you? You got, got real. real. Yeah. And, and, and that, if we had a substitute that night, a substitute professor. And he looked at me, and he goes, I think I can help you. And he walks to the board, and he just draws this big capital A and a capital B on the board. And I'm looking at this capital A, capital B. And he turns around, and he goes, I have to ask you a question, John. He goes, who can you build? And I said, well, people who are teachable because you get the gold star. That's right. And then, and then he goes, so do you believe that God is sovereign? I said, yes. And he goes, well, then I'm going to, I'm here to tell you tonight, every person who comes into your life, then it's not there by accident, including that Judas. They're there for a reason. So he goes, so if it's not A, if it's not B, Joan, it's A. And he just kind of got silent and I'm waiting. I took the bait. I finally go, well, what does the A stand for? And he goes, ambassador of love. <laughs> he goes, he's not there for you to fix him or build him. He is just, it's a season and he's only there for you to love right now. I'm going to tell you what I did. The next morning that boy walked in and I said, could you come here please? And I asked him to forgive me. Mm. I said, would you please forgive me? I haven't validated you. I haven't listened to you. I've tried to shove you out of my life and I am so sorry. And it was genuine. You know, I said, would you forgive me? You, he looked at me like, is this for real? I said, see that empty chair? I promise you, you sit in that empty chair. And when you sit down, I will stop and I will listen. I wow. am. And that's a, and the thing is the power comes when you keep your promise. You know, yes. if you, if you, if you, for some reason, anyone sensed that this person particularly had sensed that that chair wasn't genuine, it wasn't real, or you weren't going to keep your promise, then yes. everything goes, everything goes away then. And so well, here, here was the big, here was the biggest lesson. And I think someone out there needs to hear this when you're managing people, I began to assess everyone. Is this an A person or a B person? If it's B, I'm going to spend my energy building them. If it's A, I'm going to spend my love on them. One I spend energy, one I spend love on. And it changed. Yeah. I started to assess. And it sure made my coaching sessions completely different. I'd go, oh, this is a love session. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, this is a financial session. It depended on where they were at. And that, that yeah. was a life-changing yeah. moment. Yeah. Well, that also has to do with uh, discerning yourself uh, what you can offer to them. You know, if it's a loving, emotional thing or if it's a pragmatic, you know, uh, uh, teaching, you know, skill set type of thing. That's, a, that's a, a, another thing. And it sounds like you've got some great things to offer here, Joan, to folks out there. And what I want to encourage you now is to put yourself in the mind of a person who may be struggling a little bit, who's in some sort of a workplace situation. Maybe they're in management, maybe they're a worker bee, as you, uh, as you termed it earlier, but they are struggling. They are hurting. They are thinking, I got to get out of here. I can't make it. 
you know, or I got to do something different. I got to find some way. Uh, just give us one or two things that someone, if they pick up your book, that they can glean something. This is going to give them a starting place in order to have transformation. Well, I think the first thing is, is to recognize that things happen in seasons. seasons mean every season has a beginning and an end. It's not going to last forever. It's a season and it may be a really hard season, but in that season, it's to discern, well, what is this about? What is this season about? It will not last forever. And then if he is sovereign, what is in you, what has he put in you that you could give away to others? I found that when I started to take my eyes off of myself and to love others, I had someone call me once. They were very depressed. And I remember we were on the phone and I said to this person, where are you right now? And he said, I'm in my cubicle. I said, stand up. And he stood up. He said, okay, I'm standing. I said, look around. And he looks around. I said, who do you see? Lots of people. I said, I'm telling you, there's someone in that group that has in you right now. Go find that person. Go find that person. You pour out of yourself into that person and something fresh is going to start flowing into you. But you have got to start pouring out to others. As long as you are so focused on you, you'll never walk into your greatest days. Go find that person. So you can heal yourself, so to speak, or very real in a very real way by helping others. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's such a great, uh, profound thing to share, not to be uh, kind of not to be wall around our own misery. I call it the malaise of mediocrity when we get just get stuck, you know, we get stuck there and, and we, we, we can choose to stay stuck or we can choose to get out. And you chose to get out yourself of your own job dissatisfaction situation and you helped your coworkers. And you help people in your companies. And now you're helping others through through your book, which is Sacred Work in Secular Places, Finding Joy in the Workplace, an invitation to partner with God in a beautiful broken world. And so, Joan, tell us how people can find this, find your book, or find out more about you, or how ways that your coaching or your teaching can be helpful, helpful to, to them. Well, the book is on Amazon. So it's just Sacred Work in Secular Places. And so that's where it can be purchased there. I do have a website, Joan, in the middle initial L, joanlturley.com. And they can find me on Facebook. Joan L. Turley is my business page. And then Joan Turley is my personal page. Um, And I show up there quite a bit. So they are more than welcome to reach out. I will respond. They can send me a messenger text if they're interested uh, and learning how they can move from the ranks of the dissatisfied to the deeply satisfied. I'd love to help them do that. Well, I think that's an epidemic in the world right now of people indeed being dissatisfied with the workplace and many other things. And if, if you can give us some guidance, some coaching, some teaching, some leadership to help people move to join their life, yay God, yay God. Yay so God. our guest today all here on the Power of Promise podcast, author, Joan L. Turley, the author of Sacred Work in Secular Places. Thank you, Joan Turley, for being our guest today on the Power Promise podcast. I hope you picked up on her love and her care and her compassion for people, for her co-workers that she worked with in the small world, and now how she is taking that belief system to you. She believes that you can be an influencer and that you can have a great income at the same time and you can have impact on the lives of others and have a heart full of compassion 
and a belief that people are worth every ounce of energy to develop their potential. That's what she's working on right now. I hope you're motivated by what she had to share. I know I was as well, and you can go uh, to uh, her website that she mentioned and find out more about her. Here at the Pathway, uh, here at the Power Promise Podcast, we're here to be helpful to you. Uh, my name is Dr. Brad Miller. I have a background in transformational leadership and a doctoral degree in transformational leadership in my speaking to your life and teaching and uh, leadership skills and talking to great leaders who have overcome adversity in their life to achieve their life of peace and prosperity and purpose. If we can be helpful to you, let us know. Go head over to pathwaypromise.com and connect up with some of our back episodes and some of our resources that we have for you there. Thank you for being with us here on the Power Promise podcast and tune in again with us next time. We'll have another great guest who will help you to overcome adversity to achieve your life of peace and prosperity and purpose. Until next time, this is Dr. Brad Miller encouraging you to keep your promises because there's power in a promise kept. Thanks so much for taking the Pathway to Promise with Dr. Brad Miller. As a subscriber, you'll be a vital part of the Pathway to Promise community. Visit us on the web at pathwaypromise.com. Until next time, remember to stay on your Pathway to Promise.